Amen. Did I tell you how good it is to have you all back? Just uh, want to let you know again. Thank you. Well, today we uh, move into a, a new series as we uh, leave uh, Paul's words from in Philippians. We uh, venture into a few years prior, about 600 years prior, into the, the events of Israel, the, the people of God returning back to their homeland after the, what we call the exile. So let me uh, give you a little bit of the historical situation, just a little bit of the, the events of that day. It was in the late 500s that Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon and he had brought the Babylonian army into Jerusalem and wiped the place clean. I mean, destroyed it. Uh, destroyed the temple, de- destroyed the, the city. It would be as if a foreign power entering into Washington, D.C. and destroying you know, the, the, the capital and the White House. And then... Babylonian army captured most of the leaders, most of the the artisans, most of the workers in Israel and dragged them back into Babylon. Forced refugee, forced immigration into Babylon as now oppressing them as their, their prisoners. And we're told that that lasts 70 years. And now that that 70 years is coming to a close and and God is is renewing His presence in the people of Israel. And so Zechariah is one of the the prophets that God chooses to speak to the people and the leaders and Ezra is one of the, the, the people He chooses to lead them into this time of renewal, into this time, out of the destruction, into this time of new growth. And part of the the reason, I think, for us to to, uh, explore these uh, events over the next eight weeks and this this renewal of God's work in God's people is that in a number of fronts, as we maybe personally, you've been in a time that you would call one of of destruction or one of worry, concern, A number of you, I know, have have lost jobs, still looking. A number of you are facing health concerns in your own family or have just dealt with those kind of concerns. As a nation, certainly economically, we've, we've seen things decline. And as a church, for 20 years, if you look at the the numbers, things have been in decline. And so what we seek to do is say, all right, God, we, we believe, we're trusting, we're following you, that, that you, in whatever way you experience that sense of decline or destruction, that, that you are bursting forth with life. That you continue to, to keep going, focused on your purposes. And, and we, no matter what the circumstances, want to get in line with what you are doing and the power of life that exudes from you. So, 
No better time to go and, and look at this historical situation when God was doing just that very thing with his people. Let's, uh, let's pray together. And then we'll look at Zechariah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, found on page 770 in your pew Bible. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for your word. And as was just sung, we pray indeed that you will speak to us. That the the life that flows from your written word through your living word would continue to deepen our faith and strengthen our obedience unto you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Zechariah chapter 2 verses 1 through 5. Hear the word of the Lord. I looked up and saw a man with a measuring line in his hand. Then I asked, where are you going? He answered me, to measure Jerusalem, to see what is its width and what is its length. Then the angel who talked with me came forward, and another angel came forward to meet him and said to him, run, say to that young man, Jerusalem shall be inhabited like, a vil- like villages without walls because of the multitude of people and animals in it. For I will be a wall of fire all around it, says the Lord, and I will be the glory within it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You see, Zechariah, as a prophet, is one that God chooses to speak to the leaders of his people, to speak to his people in the midst of even a time of great destruction. I mean, this is at the very beginning of this renewal in Jerusalem. Still, most of the leaders and guiders there, they are living in Babylon. And they're coming off of 70 years of persecution. And yet, and so God gives to Zechariah this vision a number of visions, and this is particularly one where he highlights God's power to bring life even in the midst of 70 years of what seemed like being hopeless. In the vision, what Zechariah sees, is he, he sees a man taking a measuring line, you know, a measuring stick, a measuring tape to Jerusalem and and. He calls out to the guy, hey, what are you doing? I'm going to go measure Jerusalem. You know, we're going to, God's going to build some things. We've got to see what the measuring lines are. And then one of the angels that evidently Zechariah knew showed up. And then another one that Zechariah hadn't seen came, on, came in, into his vision. And the second angel said to the first angel, hey, go get that guy. Go tell him. Go stop him because he, he's about to waste his time measuring how big and how tall the walls are going to be because God's going to do a work here where this is going to be villages without walls because the life that he's going to bring is going to be so abundant, is going to burst forth in such a way that they won't, they won't be able to contain it with human walls. You see, the angels tell one another, God will be a wall of fire to protect the people. But even more importantly, God's glory will be at their very center. And the life that He brings will be at their core. And when God brings life, it can't be contained by human walls. 
What a word that the people needed. That Zechariah regularly brought to them because they'd been formed by 70 years of persecution and destruction. I mean, there were just a few in their childhood memories that could think back to what the old temple even looked like. God brings life, life abundant even in the midst of destruction. And I'm wondering for for you, if that's where you find yourself in a time of destruction or or hopelessness, unsure that, that God really does love you and can work in you. And it may even be your fault. Or if you think about it corporately as a nation or as a church or as a city or in the neighborhood in which you live, it may even be our fault. It may even be because we made bad decisions. Maybe because you have pursued an avenue of life that isn't God's life and you're recognizing that now. It really doesn't matter what the reason for the destruction What the reason is for the hopelessness. For in Israel's day, the reason for the destruction was plain. It is clear. It was because they disobeyed God. They went their own way. They got caught up in their own security. They got caught up in their own prosperity that God had brought them. And in so doing, which is a common theme throughout the Scriptures, in their prosperity, they took their eyes off of the one who made them prosperous onto the gifts of His hand which often leads to destruction. We're even told in Ezekiel 10, another one of those prophets, the ones chosen by God to communicate his message of the day in Ezekiel 10, when God left, when God's glory departed from the temple. That's got to be ringing in the Israelites' ears, the words from Ezekiel, The prophet saying, God left the temple. God took off because of your disobedience. And he took off in order that you would reap the consequences of your obedience so that this day would come. And God always brings discipline so that we will be reconciled with him, so that we will then turn to him. And in Zechariah, he's saying the day has come because... God's glory is returning. God's glory is is returning into the middle of the people to bring God back to the center. It's what brings to us life, His life in us, no matter the destruction, no matter the hopelessness that that we might be in or that a friend of ours might be in or whatever the, the situation. God promises here to bring the, be the life within us and probably the first use of this word that He promises to be the life-giving force within us and the firewall outside of us. Those of you that are in computers will recognize just how ahead of His time God was. Because He says God's going to be the wall of protection because human walls can't contain the explosion of life that God can cause. Do you believe that? 
If you find yourself in a place of hopelessness and despair, do you believe truly that if God is at your center, He indeed can bring life that flows out of you so abundantly that it can't be contained? He can. And and do we believe that in our own families, our own neighborhoods, in us as a, a community of faith, as a church, that God can bring life? Jesus, when he was leaving, just before his crucifixion, in that high priestly prayer in John 15 through 17, the letter that the gospel that John wrote, John 17, 22, harkens back to this passage. And he says the same thing to his disciples anyway. And he says, the glory you have given me, talking to the Father, the glory you have given me, I now have given to them so that they may be one as we are one. That same glory that Zechariah spoke of 600 years prior, Jesus was speaking with His disciples and He speaks to us. That that same glory, the same bursting forth of life glory of God lives in us. And as He rules in us, then there is a unity among us And there is a a life-giving force of His Holy Spirit at work in us. I mean, I I fully believe and even experienced that with you last Sunday. When we, we gathered with a new format, gathered together in the middle foundational hour. For we know that a church without walls needs a solid foundation. And then gathered in, in worship afterwards, that there was a hunger, a deep hunger among us, because we want God, God's glory to be at the core of who we are. We want that to be what the life giving force is. So we're pursuing Him together and then leaving the results to Him to let Him explode the walls according to His time and His work. You know, one of the greatest examples of that in modern history of God's glory staying at the center even in the midst of such destruction is the church in China. You know, in in the 50s, 1950s, in the midst of all the cultural revolution, the persecution and all the rest, estimates were there were a million Christians in a huge nation of China. In the 70s, as things opened up just a little bit and get a little bit better sense of the the numbers, the estimates rose in those 20 years from 1 million to 3 million. So it tripled in size. Today, 40 years later, the estimates are that there are now 130 million followers of Jesus in China. From 3 million to 130 in less than 40 years. That's God's life-giving power overwhelming a nation. Taking and making an impact in subtle ways below the surface. Because if you get above the surface, even today, overtly too much in China, the persecution comes upon. But God is not stopped, even by the persecution of a government. 
and continues to expand in his life-giving force. But it's in God's time. I mean, what we're going to look at in eight weeks, what starts with some of Zechariah's words is going to take 20 years. And as we'll see over the next eight weeks, we'll see some of the, the issues they have to face in this process of bringing God into the center, letting Him be the wall of fire around them, letting His life take root again in their community. But it can and it will. Even though we find ourselves in a place nationally of of spiritual decline. In 48 of the 50 states, the, the fastest growing religious affiliation is no religion. And that's from 1990 to 2008. The fastest growing in 48 of the states. We are in national, we are in a place, and, and we locally are no different, a place and a time of spiritual demise, spiritual malaise, that no religion would be the fastest growing affiliation. But we believe, just as what happened in China, can happen amongst us. Do you know that for 500 years in Western Europe, there was no appreciable growth in the church? From about 700 A.D. to 1200 A.D., it stayed stagnant until the Reformation and things exploded. Well, now we're in another place of stagnation as we look in our, our, the culture around us. But we know that God still gives life, and so we seek Him and we trust Him to be at work in us according to his timetable. I close with one story of a, that I, I heard this, this weekend. I met uh, Levert. Now, Levert grew up in Cincinnati. He's probably in his 50s now. And Levert told me the story of a, a, a gentleman that would come into his neighborhood, which was in downtown Cincinnati, 35, 40 years ago. The gentleman would come and play basketball with him, talk about Jesus, and then give him donuts. His name was Mr. David. Well, Leverett still remembered Mr. David, still remembered the stories of Jesus. He was the only person in his life, 35 years ago, 40 years ago, that would tell him about, that was telling him stories about Jesus. Well, just two weeks ago, Leverett got a, a phone call from the Impact World Tour. It was Youth with a Mission gathering. And, uh, and Leverett had signed up to participate in that. Well, Leverett's a rather unusual name. And so the person that called him, first name was David. And that David wondered, I wonder if that Leverett's the same Leverett that I gave donuts to 35, 40 years ago. Turns out that that Mr. David is our own David Freeze, who is a deacon here. And David, 35, 40 years ago, out of faithful obedience, believing that God burst forth life, went into a neighborhood of poverty where there was hopelessness all around, and he played basketball, gave donuts, and talked about Jesus. And 35, 40 years later, found out that God was bursting forth life in the soul of Levert in the midst of downtown Cincinnati, 
even with basketballs and donuts. That same God continues to go today. It may have results tomorrow. It may have results in 40 years. We don't know. But what we do know is that God burst forth life as His glory is our center and as His wall is our protection. May He indeed burst forth life here so that we become what we desire, His church without walls. Amen.